Welcome back to the program. Imagine one of the strongest fibers on the planet, a potential energy source and something used by our founders that is now illegal. That is the subject of hemp, which we're going to talk about today with my guest, Doug Fine. He's a comedic investigative journalist, a best-selling author. He's reported from five continents for the Washington Post, Wired, Salon, and the New York Times. And it is my pleasure to welcome Doug Fine here to talk about his book, Hemp Bound, Dispatches from the Front Lines of the Next Agricultural Revolution. Doug, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's fantastic to be with you, Jeff. Great to have you here. Uh, well, let's start with the beginning. When a lot of people don't understand, why is hemp illegal? It's almost because of a typo. Skipping nine thousand years of human interaction with this plant, one of the plants we've utilized the longest. In 1937, many folks will know there was this sort of reefer madness era that had a lot of uh, there was a, there was a lot of politics behind it as well as yellow journalism and it led to the original federal criminalization of cannabis in 1937 hemp was kind of lumped in without much thought um and it didn't go very well because uh every navy vessel needs 40 tons of roping rope rigging and uh and other applications george bush senior's parachute uh, uh, harness was uh, uh, hemp and saved his life. So, uh, note, note the drug war is already shipping jobs offshore. The Navy was getting um, the hemp from the Philippines, <clears throat> excuse me, but the Japanese caught, uh, captured the Philippines in 42, resulting in this fantastic USDA propaganda pro-hemp film that you can still see on YouTube called Hemp for Victory uh, that sounds like it was produced by your roommate with the lava lab. It's it, Sings the praises of hemp uh, accurately, um, but after helping us win the war, we didn't really sort of thank hemp and, and start the industry going again until this past February, 77 years uh, later, when um, uh, hemp was reauthorized for research purposes in this year's Farm Bill. And given what we know now about other fibers and other technology, is hemp obsolete? It is the opposite of obsolete. This is maybe what astounded me the most in the research. Um, I visited a facility, a hemp processor in Europe, uh, in the Netherlands, a company called Hemp Blacks, and pulled off the factory floor uh, this long, silky soft, but stronger than steel, that uh, hemp bast fiber, as the long uh, central fiber of the hemp plant is known. And today, it goes into BMW and Mercedes door panels, not because uh, those German uh, industrialists are wearing tie-dyes, uh, but because it is stronger and cheaper than petroplastic and the other composites that are used in modern door panels. That's just one example. Um, another example of what I think may be the first killer app on the fiber side um, here as our hemp industry gets going again is in construction. A Marks and Spencer department store, flagship store, block long store, kind of giant giant facility in the suburbs of London uh, was built uh, two years ago out of a material called hempcrete, which is basically hemp fiber mixed with lime. It makes a carbon sequestering material. It actually removes carbon from the atmosphere, uh, extremely sturdy, and in a, in a study that I researched in the book, um, actually has a higher R value or insulating value than pink insulation, which has issues as does drywall and other um, modern materials with off-gassing and, and other toxic effluents, the first real reason we're going to see hemp back in the soil immediately and 
huge amounts of acreage in the U.S., though, is the prices that Canadian farmers are receiving for the hemp seed oil. Um, it's a nutritive superfood. Again, this is not something I relied on anyone's info on. I went and re- looked into studies into hemp's nutritive components, and um, it's true. Uh, omega balanced, very high in minerals that are difficult for vegans and vegetarians to get, like magnesium, and also extremely high in protein. I think something like 14 grams per per, uh, per serving of protein. So um, I know I, I've already had it this morning. Uh, I put it in my family's morning shake uh, every morning, and uh, we have an insatiable appetite for it here in the U.S. It's growing 20% per year, and it's broaching a billion-dollar industry in Canada, and that, in the end, is why farmers who are businessmen and women like the rest of us um, are going to start planting hemp. All these other fantastic applications will follow. What about in the rest of the world, in places where it's not illegal? To what extent is it being used in these ways? Very interesting. The, the hemp cultivation around the world, and it is cultivated nearly everywhere, um, is geographically disparate. I think of that fact, and, and that's why I'm so glad you asked that question, as the upside of prohibition. We can look what are the most successful applications in different parts of the world and have a single processing factory in American uh, farming communities that at once allows for seed oil profits, fiber applications, and energy production, um, which is a whole separate discussion. But to answer your question specifically, Canada grows almost exclusively for the seed oil. They, in fact, burn their fiber in the field because they're making so much money from the oil. They grow a cultivar, as the varieties are known as, uh, on the hemp side, um, uh, that is basically this little seed bush. It, it's not even, it doesn't even have a lot of fiber. The Europeans, as we discussed, are kind of leading in the 21st century stuff. We talked co- uh, construction and car parts, but it's body armor, nanotechnology, 3D printers, 3D printing, rather, uh, material. Uh, anything that plastic can do, hemp can do better. Um, and the Chinese are um, a decade or two ahead in textiles, and there's nothing crunchy about this either. That The reason China's president goes to their hemp processing factories and urges farmers to grow millions of acres more is that cotton uses, cotton's time is done, just as petroleum plastics time is done. Cotton uses 30% of the world's pesticides, and uh, China knows this, and, and uh, they're not tree huggers necessarily, and maybe they are, but uh, it's their soil's getting poisoned from cotton, and their, 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 their yields are going way down. So they're ahead of us in getting what the clothing industry calls hand or softness into their hemp materials, and today you can buy hemp shirts that are as you know soft as anything that you find in the chain store mall, and, and, and that's really the future. We have some catching up to do as far as that goes, but we also have, you know, half of South Carolina filled with closed, closed textile factories and mills that we might be able to get going again um, with, with domestic hemp. So each region is doing their own niche, and we can use that knowledge, as set forth in HempBound, I have to say, um, to, uh, from Generation 1 factories here in the States uh, to all of those things. Given all the potential that it has, given all the areas that you've been talking about, are we seeing a corresponding interest on the part of large multinational companies in getting into this business? 
I'd say yes, um, I, and um, I'm, I'm okay with that for a number of reasons. First of all, I'm a big believer in we, sh- you know, we vote with our with our with our pocketbook, and I'm the type of guy as a sustainability journalist who um, is going to choose an organic, locally produced, or maybe even press myself seed oil to put into the shake if it's available. I mean, God bless the Canadians for their 15 year old billion dollar industry. Um, that's really got things going again. And I really love it's 15 years of good health. I have to thank them for, for that seed oil Um, and not to just turn my back on them, but I'm a local kind of guy. And if there's someone in my backyard in New Mexico, that's rendering hemp seed oil organically, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to go for. As far as big ag goes, one other very important uh, thing the Canadians did is in 1998 on a federal Canadian level when they started, they prophylactically banned genetically modified hemp. Again, I don't think because of tree hugging or, or, or earth protecting or thinking of the children. I think it's because it's off brand. Um, hemp is associated with health, healthy living, uh, progressive values, and um, they were very prescient to do that. And I really hope, let's put it this way when I was on the Hill in DC lobbying for hemp recently, um, I lobbied the hemp lobbyists to make sure that this is something they work hard to get into our legislation. Once that happens, I, I am absolutely fine with amber waves of genetically modified green morphing into waving green hands of industrial cannabis, providing our nation's food, uh, fiber and energy, a good portions of it. Um, even if produced by the hundreds of thousands of acres by big ag controlled farms, uh, in other words, I'm fine with the McHemp sandwich as long as it's not genetically modified. I'll personally support the small farmer, but hemp is soil restorative uh, and, 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 and important enough, especially on the energy end, and I think the more acreage, the better. To what extent are you finding in the debate, particularly in Washington and, and other state capitals, is the whole debate about the use of hemp tied up with the cannabis debate? Almost not at all anymore. Um, first off, for folks who are coming to the discussion new, um, the, the world over, hemp is defined as any variety of the cannabis plant with 0.3% of THC or less, the psychoactive component in social and medicinal cannabis. So it's uh, no more... Uh, it's an agricultural product like carrots. It's no more psychoactive than broccoli. Um, there's nothing that would ever happen if you were, were to, to smoke it. Um, so uh, everybody knows that in Canada's 15-year modern industry, there's been exactly zero cases of confusion. You can't even grow the two varieties of the plant in the same place because uh, the pollen w- uh, from a hemp plant would immediately create seeds and dilute and ruin a manicured prima donna and very pricey psychoactive cannabis plant. So in fact, in Colorado now and in California, there's a lot of discussion about how to keep the two varieties geographically distinct. You need at least three miles between them. They, they cannot be confused, and they never have been. Um, the rest of the world realizes this, as, as, as most of our country does today. But further proof that the sort of culture war over hemp is over, I, frankly, Jeff, the, the, the culture war over cannabis is nearly over. But the, the, especially with hemp, um, the proof of this is that as we speak today, the Republican-controlled state of Kentucky is suing the Drug Enforcement Administration to speed them up 
in allowing imported hemp seed into the U.S. as a result of hemp's legalization in last year's Farm Bill. Bureaucracy's wheels turn slowly. Uh, I'm a big law enforcement supporter as a father and, and, and a voter. I, I know that our law enforcement is here to protect us. Um, but uh, come on, guys. The federal laws changed to let the seeds in. And, and Kentucky, uh, not a place with a lot of tie-dyes, um, is suing to make those seeds come in. So like the culture war... Uh, is over, and we're going to see it. Another proof of this is that Colorado is not waiting for S-359, which is a new bill, Senate bill put forth by Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, that would allow full commercial cultivation in kind of a no-brainer. It would remove hemp from the Controlled Substances Act entirely and let the USDA regulate it like every other crop. I mean, that's a big duh. Um, But uh, hopefully that will happen this session. Colorado's not waiting. I was there on the first day that their Department of Agriculture started accepting permits from farmers and there's thousands of commercial acres of hemp being cultivated in Colorado today because the state needs this revenue, which is $300 profit per acre for Canadians this season, 10 times what they make on genetically modified corn. Why haven't we seen more commercial uses of it in Canada? I asked Sean Crew, who is the head of the uh, biggest seed oil processor in Canada, hemp oil Canada, visited him during his fourth expansion in 10 years. This guy cannot wait for American farmers to start cultivating. I asked him specifically why Canada is not doing anything with the fiber, especially energy, which is something I care a lot about. And he simply said, fossil fuels are still too cheap. And you know what? I, I, I'm not going to criticize the people, as I say, who have provided me with a very healthy hemp seed oil for 15 years, but I will say American ingenuity kick into gear because we have a window here. Um, and the process for energy, by the way, it, even though I did get to take a very fun hemp-powered biodiesel limo ride uh, during the course of researching hemp-bound, um, and I also looked into cellulosic ethanol, I believe that the first energy killer app is going to be to a, a an anaerobic carbon-friendly biomass combustion technology called gasification. It's allowing all um, it's allowing entire communities in Europe, especially Germany and Austria, to become energy independent by using farm waste in these relatively small gasification um, combustion units. They're some of them they're scalable, and, um, but uh, up to the municipal size. But you can do them farm size, uh, no, not much bigger than an outhouse. Uh, interested folks can look for, at the homepage of the town of Feldheim, Germany, that became energy independent through this. Not necessarily through hemp, but through their, you know, whatever their local farm waste is. Hemp produces so much biomass that once we've scraped off those seeds for the profitable seed oil, chopped up the fiber into uh, a hemp creep mix that, you know, as I say, outperforms pink insulation, um, uh, we still are left with the herd, with the bark. And those I'd like to see go into gasification units and, and start America towards uh, a decentralized grid that leaves us from, from foreign oil and fossil fuels. Where is the major support for all of these uses for hemp coming from right now? I would say, given that I've spoken to so many farmers in the heartland who think maybe President Obama was born in Libya somewhere, but they're really, really supportive of him. I think it is it is bottom line. Farmers are businessmen and businesswomen, and they're struggling. They're struggling. Their aquifers are dying. I have a clip on my website of soil that you'd think was the Sahara Desert. And it, and it's and it's and it's the American heartland. It's it's the prairie, um, and hemp 
truly, this has been proved by a real great pioneer, Ryan Laughlin, a farmer who cultivated hemp, risking his farmer, his, his family's federally subsidized ranch and, and federal rate last year to prove to his very conservative eastern Colorado, you know, bordering Kansas neighbors that hemp indeed uses half the water that the previous year's wheat crop did. Huge news, not just to Kansas and, and Colorado, but to Zimbabwe and Chad, that you can dry land crop a, a, a crop with foot-long taproots that's going to firm the soil, allow nutrient rebuilding, and, and put small farmers back to work. Jeff, we're at 1% of Americans farming, 30% when hemp was, uh, was banned in 37. What is hemp going to replace as far as farmers are concerned? Is it going to be an added crop, or is it going to be replacing something else? What are they telling you? Well, first of all, it's a bridge crop meaning it, it has a relatively short growing season, so it's not necessarily the only re, only crop that a farmer can grow um, in a single season. Side note, this is why it's incredibly important to support or, and, 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 and buy organic um, uh, hemp because farmers in Canada of genetically modified crops are using hemp for its valuable soil nutritive restoration and cash crop value, and then planting dangerous crops with dangerous pesticides other times of, of, of the year around it. So it, it uh, is something that can be used in sync with cereal crops and other crops, and can be used in a good rotational cycle um, for farmers that are, that are interested in you know, long-term sustainability instead of just the turning it out and spraying the Roundup on it and, and, and you know, oops, sorry that there's super weeds in the soil dying. Um, so... It doesn't necessarily have to replace, but I hope it replaces um, genetically modified crops and that farmers do multiple harvests per season of hemp, some for, for food, some for, for, uh, for fiber, and all of it um, for energy. On the finished product side, I went up to um, Winnipeg and did an interview at a research facility that's jointly funded by Canadian government and private industry. Um, where they're trying to find out what else they can do with with the hemp plant now that they've you know sort of established their industry in seed oil, and it was a bit like visiting uh, the James Bond you know Q's Secret Service uh, facility MI five or whatever. There was all these experiments going on for soundproofing, insulation, blankets. I even kicked an, an entire tractor body made out of hemp, incredibly strong, lighter than petroplastics, and it's in field testing now. Um, so there's a, there's a whole lot going on. And I asked Simon Potter, another decidedly non-hippie fellow, uh, research biologist at this, it's called the Composites Innovation Center, why, why he's devoting his career to hemp. And he said, we have no choice. The moment that petroleum starts to get priced the way it should be in terms of environmental impact and scarcity, um, we have no choice but to go to biocomposites for everything. We think about things like press board, drywalling. These construction and, 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 and energy facilities are huge percentages of our carbon output. And he said the good news is they outperform petrol and chemical plastics anyway. So it's win-win for humanity. And he thinks it's not a question of if, but when. Doug Fine, the book is Hemp Bound, Dispatches from the Front Lines to the Next Agricultural Revolution. Doug, I thank you so much for spending time with us. It was a pleasure. Thanks for the great questions. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.